0: This is Shaka speak Hi, welcome to Shaka speak Hi, it's
1: my good to be G- here. here. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm glad you're here. I'm here today with the illustrious Doctor Snaxmo. Hey, what's up, everybody? Um, G rath mustache is looking good today. I appreciate that. You yeah, had to
1: trim it back. Uh, I have this. Um, I have this great fantasy in life. Um, for those of you out here, out there who haven't seen it, the the, the thing that I want my mustache to do is I wanted to do the exact same thing that this wonderful wonderful artist from Mississippi did. Like He is my inspiration for this mustache. His name is George Orr, O-H-R, and he was called the Mad, Bo- Mad Potter of Mississippi.
0: He's the one who has the big museum?
1: He does. Yeah, Frank Gehry designed a museum on the Gulf Coast. It's beautiful, very Frank Gehry museum. Um, and he had uh, George Orr, Frank Gehry. I don't know about Frank Gehry's facial hair. I don't know what his situation is. But George Orr had an amazing... Amazing handlebar mustache. Nice. I mean, like, off the sides of his face. I keep trying to get there. My hair's too curly. So it, like, corkscrews. And it looks more like Yosemite Sam when he's had too much, <laughs> like, hot food or something. I don't know.
0: <laughs> you just got to get a good good uh, mustache wax. Going.
1: So uh, I have not found one strong enough. I mean, it's I like, know. I'm, like, to the point of almost, like, super good. Have you tried getting Apoxy. a hair
0: straightener and straightening your mustache?
1: So they, they have them for your mustache.
0: They, they make mustaches. They're small
1: ones. ones. Um, and I
0: haven't brought myself to that. Because Pocket size USB chargeable. So like in the middle of the workday, <laughs> right. you, can, you know, gotta, you got to sneak away, real sneak quick away to the get bathroom and, and <laughs> make sure it's like you might Listerine after lunch. You just got to <laughs> restrain your mustache.
1: Yeah. I uh, surprisingly have not gone that far yet. OK, so, um, you know, we'll see. I have been tempted if there was like a place where like there was like a sample on the shelf, you could try one.
0: Yeah, like, I'd give it a shot. I like the idea that there's there's probably a store out there that has plugged in appliances that you can just try. Well, what um, I was going
1: to say, funnily enough, is I still don't trust the idea. Like when you think of how far we've come as a society, and then you look at certain things, you're like, oh, we haven't come far at all. Uh, so here's what I'm going to do to make my hair work differently. I'm going to just uh, inject straight electricity into a piece of metal so it gets hot enough to make the natural shape of my hair different. Yeah, and then I'm going to put it very close to my head, eyes, or face. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just feel like it's not like a it's not like a, not
0: like a twenty twenty three sort
1: of thing. I mean, it feels like we could do it better.
0: Yeah, you know, but the you know basic physics <laughs> are just basic physics. You know,
1: I, I get it. Like there is a simplicity and minimalism to it that I love.
0: You know, I was thinking about um, a recent trip that I took. A lot of okay. driving. Um, we, we referenced it uh, in a previous episode. Um, but I was just thinking about the fact that we drive cars for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And you'd think there'd be like, hey guys, here's this metal box that we're exploding gasoline in constantly. <laughs> give it five minutes every two hours, you know. But we don't have to. But somehow, of all the things we've made, we just drive those engines for you know ten hours, twenty hours if your bladder's good enough. I but we don't you, even think about. I can give you a really great number that um, Have will, you ever driven an engine to overheat it in the ground? Uh, well, yeah, uh, but <laughs> probably for a different reason.
1: <clears throat> um, but we'll get into it because this is kind of the point of the episode today. But And part of what I'm going to talk about later, <clears throat> over the course of 39 hours, I drove from Seattle, Washington to Oxford, Mississippi. Oof. It's a 36-hour drive. So I did it in 39 hours, stopped for one nap, kind of halfway through so I had these like 12 to 18 hour stretches where the only stop was gas. And, uh, it is kind of amazing.
0: So I've got a very personal question, Gareth.
1: Yeah. The answer is yes. Did
0: you just combine the bathroom breaks and the naps at the same time and change clothes?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I went full, like, uh, crazy uh nasa murdering person just wore adult diapers the whole time oh nice no um it was it was like one one stop to rule them all okay kind of thing gotcha. so uh everything was like the ring of power How
0: dehydrated were you at the end of that trip
1: oh i was not i had gallons of water well we'll get into it later <laughs> okay. but, um <clears throat> but yeah it was pretty much like oh here's a here's a truck stop so i can like grab an apple uh go to the bathroom get gas and i can be out of here in seven minutes nice so, yeah, it was just very much... Also, we'll, we'll get into it later. Sure. But, yeah. Um, so, I have so many questions now. <laughs> oh, good. Because it's a, it's a really fun story. It was a great summer. Yes. Um, but the... Uh, yeah, it, it, there are things where you're like, this shouldn't work. And I think some of that's nice because it reminds me of, like, how small my frame is. And I don't mean physically just because I'm a shorter guy, but I mean, like, in terms of, like, I I can't... I don't... Yeah, I don't understand fully internal combustion. I can walk you through the four-stage process. Mm-hmm. But... I don't understand it in the sense of like, these are metal pieces with explosions going on inside them. And then that's like a whole bunch of really fast moving parts underneath another piece of metal. Mm -hmm. And then I put my children near it (laughs) or in it. And it's like, this is nuts. And then we hurtle it down the road at like 80 miles an hour. While other things that are the exact same type are coming the opposite way at the same amount, doubling the impact speed and velocity. And so you physics,
0: have a uh, physics lesson for you.
1: You have all these issues that are going on. And we're just like, this is normal.
0: Yeah. About as normal as, like, we're just going to take two superheated pieces of ceramic that we <laughs> got really hot because we attached it to an electric wire that we yeah. plugged into an outlet. And we're going to put that near our head and face. Yes. Style. Oh, yeah. Humans are amazing things. We have some <clears throat> ideas about things. That's for sure. That's right. We our, our design. Go hard to get what we want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> And that, so that's going to be the title if I ever write a history book about humanity. We go hard, we get what we want. <laughs> yes.
1: It might be shelved in the wrong section. That's, <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, <laughs> um, So it, it kind of fits, right? All this stuff is kind of adventurous. Uh, it's, it's like we, uh, as humans, we do kind of chart into the unknown uh, pretty willingly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's only fitting. So if you listen to the first part or the first episode in this, this smaller series, um, we just started talking about travel. We just talked about travel, like what it's for, how you might do it, the ways we think through it what has been historically, and, and even why it might be important for artists and designers, why it might be something we we maybe have a, a predisposition toward in certain ways. <clears throat> um, so what we want to do this week is kind of take what we talked about last episode, and we want to kind of flesh that out with like real experiences. So um, we're just going to talk about trips we've taken in the past that have been pivotal in some sort of way and flesh those out. Um, and if nothing else, it'll be a fun conversation between two friends uh, that y'all get to share in. Um, but yeah, so Cody, I point the question at you. What is, what is what is a trip that was like pivotal for you? And and how can we kind of understand that? Why was it pivotal in some way?
0: I'm trying to think. Pivotal trip. Okay. Um, got two that I can talk about. I'll start with the earlier one. Mm-hmm. So we mentioned last episode that um, a few years back, me and my wife had been planning a trip to Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. She lived there for two years. Um, so we had everything ready to go. Um, my brother... Uh, second oldest brother was going to come with us. Mm-hmm. Um, super excited about that because, you know, it, you know, it's life. Two adults, so you don't get a lot of time to like have a long extended time with family. So oh, yeah. Me, uh, my wife, my brother, Connor, and then our, oh gosh, Alexander must have been young. I was going to say very one, young, yeah. Less than one, yeah. Wow. Maybe, maybe that's not true. What a first trip that would have been. Maybe like two. Um, he's maybe, maybe two. You imagine L-plus. that, like, hey, back
1: back in the past, before you remember, you just spent time in Bulgaria.
0: Yeah, so I mean, we had tickets; everything was planned out. Gosh, um, it's going to be great, Bulgaria. Uh, when it comes to how the currency relates to the U.S. dollar, is rather favorable oh, compared that, I mean, to other European countries. So
1: that's nice. Are they are they unlike their own currency? Are they a euro country. It's
0: uh, a good question. <clears throat> Not that it matters. I don't. You know. I mean. I don't think they are. Okay. Um, they're Schengen zone. So they're not officially... I don't think they're officially part of the European Union. Okay. I'm not up on those details. What happened was um, this little thing called COVID happened. Mm. We were scheduled to fly out like March 13th. And that week, you know, obviously the December before COVID had surfaced in other countries. Um, But like two days before we were supposed to fly out, they shut down all air travel. Um, And so we had me... I had a, a week scheduled off of work, yeah, my brother had a week scheduled off of work, like everything was ready for a trip, but we just couldn't go anywhere. Um, couldn't well, fly anywhere at least. Well,
1: it's good that it wasn't like two days after you left.
0: Yes, um, that could have been a little bit more of a debacle. yes, um, and you know, at the time, the country was not reporting any cases, mm-hmm. so we were trying to be somewhat responsible. you know, we're not trying to like fly into a hot spot <laughs> right um, yeah, totally. whether or not there were no cases reported. <laughs> You may may argue that's more of a reflection on the efficiency of the country's government. It's more about the reporting re- than maybe reporting the reality. Anyways, we'll bypass <laughs> that. It's a great place. I've heard. Uh, so we were suddenly set up, basically, literally all dressed up and nowhere to go. Yeah. Um, and we were very fortunate that Carissa's aunt and uncle owned a cabin on a mountain mm-hmm. in Tennessee. Oh, fantastic! Um, which now that I'm thinking about it, is one of the states that I can now say I've been to. Yes. Um, This is a great
1: question. Huge brain debris aside. How many states have you been to?
0: uh, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, West Virginia, Tennessee. The barest little bit of New Jersey.
1: (laughs) I like Um, like that description.
0: (laughs) Come on, Cody. Virginia, obviously, born and bred. Makes sense. I think that's it. I'm a very mid-Atlantic kid. Gotcha. So I... For you listeners, you, you can count up that. I, I lost count after I ran out of fingers on one hand. <laughs> <laughs> so I have
1: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I have eight states to go before I hit all 50. Oh, man. <laughs> and they're the ones that are the most... Like far-flung, yeah. Alaska,
0: Hawaii. yeah. Montana. Montana.
1: Wisconsin. Or smack in the middle, like Oklahoma. Yeah. Drive by states. Um, yeah. We love you all if you're in Oklahoma.
0: Um,
1: as somebody who was born in, or lived in a drive by state, I understand. Yes. Yeah. That. That's all so good. So you're in so you're, so you're we, on a mountaintop in
0: Tennessee. Yeah, we have this um, very unexpected opportunity to go. And when I say cabin, I mean it's fully furnished yeah. house. Like not not nice. roughing it necessarily. Not roughing it, not camping. Um, it's about a six hour drive. Mm-hmm um so we just pack up the crv go for it yeah. um it's in the gatlinburg pigeon forge area nice. i'd never been there before got so got we're some to see. Uh, very interesting uh pigeon forge i think is the, is the part of where there's a lot of like novelty architecture uh, oh yes. it's sort of like the site of all the dolly parton mm-hmm. um like dinner and a show stuff yes so you would Driving by these massive buildings that look like a house turned upside down, yeah, I know exactly like a what cartoony you're about. house, yeah. or like a huge pirate ship, mm-hmm. um, very kind of like surreal drive through, and then um, it's like Redneck Vegas. You might say that, yeah. Um,
1: Having been there, and also again a guy from Mississippi, so speaking of my own, it's, yeah, it's Redneck Vegas. Nice. I've not been to <laughs>
0: Vegas, uh, so I can't speak to that. I mean, Vegas is up.
1: kind of redneck in a way, but that's a different episode.
0: Yeah, redneck if you mean like dying on the blacktop because of the sun. Oh, I also mean it's just like, oh, it's kind of tacky. Yeah, yeah.
1: <clears throat> anyway.
0: I won't comment, <laughs> I've never been. Um, so we got there. We found out that the cabin um, was not close to the bottom of the mountain. <laughs> and, and this s- was March. This was March. Okay. So there was maybe like a little dusting of snow, but okay. nothing crazy. Um, but you know our crv is not exactly an off-roading vehicle yeah so we i drove the whole time exclusively because uh-huh. uh, my brother uh bless his soul has a little bit of a thing with heights yeah, yeah. um and so we some just of those mountain roads are no tackled joke tackled <laughs> the switchbacks and there were some points where it's like yeah if there's two cars pointed the same direction there's really nothing to do because it's not safe for me to back going downhill and I don't even know if that person can back up going uphill. <laughs> but we never... Uh, this is where we issue. live now. So once we got to the top, very nice cabin, um, but it did not have television. It did not have internet connection. Mm-hmm. It was blocked off. Um, if you had a radio, you might get radio signal. Yeah. I think I actually ended up buying an emergency radio during that trip just so I could bring it back. So if we needed, you know, if we saw some bright, you know big lights and it heard booms in the distance, I could tune in and, and see, you know. At least cool. figure out what's going on. Um, but it was a really great time, so we got settled. Um, you know, Alexander was two, so he was just kind of palling around. Um, I was getting to hang out with my brother Connor. We were kind of doing little excursions into the town. We went to the Ripley's, believe it or not, museum. It yeah. was also spring break that week. Oh, so yeah. Gatlinburg was actually slammed. Oh, yeah. A lot of people there, um, mm-hmm. more than we expected. But we, we got some good hikes in. But we had the weird experience where it took us about 20 minutes to drive down the mountain.: Yeah, yeah, um, mostly because of like the road quality. Um, and then once we got to the bottom of the mountain, you had to drive for maybe another 10 minutes before you started getting cell signal. Mm. So we would come down the mountain every day, and all the text messages, all the emails, <laughs> anything that had been pending in the cloud like, yeah. hit us all at once. And so as COVID was progressing, And it was still very new. We would come down every day and it would be like we get the apocalypse update where it'd be like (laughs) cases now in these states and like Mm -hmm. all this stuff. And, you know, everyone was still heavily speculating about what it was and what it did. There wasn't a lot of information. So um, it was still strongly in that just like is the world ending sort of phase. Oh, yeah. And so it was a very, it's just a very unique vacation because Hmm. it (laughs) I was working at a job at the time that didn't take a lot of vacation, let's just say that. Like having a week vacation where we went somewhere was like a pretty big deal. Um, And so we would have like these just very warm times in the cabin in the evenings, just me and my family my brother hanging out, watching Lord of the Rings, just playing games. Um, Not a care in the world, just literally isolated from any of the cares of the world. Yeah. And then we would come down the mountain, literally, um, and like Moses, you know, the world <laughs> is just falling apart. <laughs> yeah. um, and it started getting a little concerning when all of those theaters closed. Mm-hmm. No, no shows for two weeks, is what they said on yeah. their signs. Uh, we know how that went. Um, and the then one day, maybe the third or fourth day, the Starbucks closed. Mm. Straight up closed, yeah. And we were like, "Wait, what? What does that even mean?" When Starbucks closes, yeah. And we went to this little coffee shop because I had I was uh, taking a statistics class at the time, so I had some homework and I needed to check on some emails. And while we were in this little locally owned shop, someone came in and stole all the toilet paper. <laughs> and so we're just like, it's just like not really clicking with it. like, what is happening right now? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so it was a very surreal experience to toggle between such a nice time with my family and my brother and then observe sort of what we now know as like the first momentum of a very big change in a lot of people's lives. Um, And kind of of see how that was affecting a town that we didn't really know that much about. Like we weren't, we'd never been here before. Um, And we were just watching the town respond to COVID and all the updates and things like that. You know, watching Walmart get slammed and Mm -hmm. everything get bought out. Um, Man. And then on the way back, we got a call from my mother-in-law and she was worried that they were going to close the Virginia state border. And we're like, mom, there's no way they're going to close the Virginia state border. Like there's not enough state troopers to park at every single road on the state border. Like we're pretty sure we're going to get home. As we were driving back, um, the whole time, we were hearing a noise in our car. We're like, what's that noise? That's weird. It's probably fine, though. And, and we're taking, you know, roads that are you're pretty classic. Like, this is kind of like a mountain, and we carved a road into the side of the mountain. So you yeah. have a median, and then you have the tops of the trees. <laughs> and like 80 feet of a drop. <laughs> yeah. So we're taking these tight turns, you know, moderately busy traffic, even with everything going on. Um, we get... Relatively close to Richmond, we're in like the Oilville area. Oilville, Goochland. And we're almost out of gas. So I'm like, okay, I really need to stop for gas. We're like, we're going to like die on the road, you know, (laughs) run out of gas on the highway if we don't stop. Pull on an exit, and right as I am pulling into the gas station, I lose all steering, which totally cuts out. And we hear thwrap, 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 inside of the engine. Oh, that's good. And so I just coast into the gas station. Jeez. Park into a parking lot with like the little momentum that I had. Pop the hood and our serpentine belt. Totally shredded. And so the whole way back that we were driving, possibly the way in on the trip, that thing was just mm. slowly breaking. And it was total, you know, call it luck, call it providence. Mm-hmm. Um, that it didn't just go out while we were on one of those mountain roads. Yeah. uh, Where I could have lost steering and it could have been real bad. Could have been real bad. Um, And so that whole trip is just sort of like locked away as this just very interesting combination of time with family, strange things happening in the world that are both very distant from Mm. our little vacation, but then also like very present in the town that we were in. Yeah. Um, So Carissa and I, I mean, we talk about that trip all the time. I was going to ask, like, how do y'all process it now? Like almost, yeah, three years later. I mean, I think, you know, we're still super disappointed we didn't get to take the original trip.
1: Oh, 100%. Um,
0: But it was, I think, the best trip we could have taken of not being able to take that because we did kind of get to disconnect a little bit. So we weren't just like sitting on our phones all day long and being like, oh, here's this new. Because that's what all everyone was doing, uh, was just watching. I mean, I think I got back on Twitter at that point because I was like, I don't know how to find updates from my local government, but apparently the local government has a Twitter and they post Twitter updates because I can't find a darn thing on their website (laughs) because we're not even talking about how that's designed. It's pretty bad, pretty bad. But yeah, I, I think just kind of being able to be with family work through the idea of what was happening in the world without being constantly bombarded with minute by minute updates was pretty good.
1: No, that's real. Um, yeah. my, Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking about what you're saying in relation to like how I experienced it because I was like, I told you earlier, I was home by myself mm-hmm. um, when my wife was helping uh, her father um, back home in Mississippi recover from surgery. Um, and so I was having the exact opposite experience. So I was kind of trapped inside with all the media where mm. you were trapped inside, unable to have it. Yeah. So
0: I think you got the better end of the stick. Yes. I think, I think based on the description we did. <laughs> 100%. And then, you know, it was just back to normal life. My job didn't go remote because I worked at a medical office. Yeah. So I didn't experience quite the same sharp change mm-hmm. of like suddenly being at home all the time. Um, but I think it was you know it was a unique trip it kind of buffered the introduction to that era of life a little bit and in some ways, I think experiencing that in a different place yeah meant that once we got home there was enough relief of just being home that it was less stressful in a way yeah yeah, it definitely feels like a
1: like a kind of a threshold like where you 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 went in one place and came out something else. Yeah, and you have this very demarcated centerpiece. It is absolutely like we
0: left a version of Richmond, hmm. came back to a different version of Richmond that arguably maybe has never been the same. Right. Because um, shortly after that, it was was when they started doing the lockdowns, mm-hmm. um, and <coughs> all of Man. that exciting times.
1: Yeah, it. Uh, yeah, there is something almost literary about that whole thing, like the way that kind of providentially lines up and. Man, yeah, that's
0: it's it's an impactful, impactful travel for sure. Yeah, it's one that we will probably tell the stories of to our kids. Because Alex oh, was like two, so he doesn't, he kind of remembers it. He'll sometimes mention things about yeah. the cabin. Um, also, uh, side note, there were scorpions in the cabin. Oh, heck yeah. So we got to the cabin and, Aunt mm-hmm. and Uncle we're like, hey, just, you know, there could be scorpions. <laughs> and we were just like, could be scorpions? So we had to hunt around the whole house and make sure that there were no scorpions. We ended up sort of blocking off the basement, finished basement f- from my son because apparently that's where they liked to get in. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, that's great. because uh, like, So I have families in Texas mm-hmm. and they will have like a scorpion will get in the house. Mm-hmm. And, and in my mind, like having never been in a place where scorpions are a thing that are not on TV, mm-hmm. I was like, I've seen cartoons. Scorpions kill people in their yes. sleep. You yeah, like, I've seen old Western movies. Do I need to sleep with, like, a thick rope around my bed so they can't go over it? You know, like, what What? What are these things? Like No, you just step
0: on it. It's like a like, roach. Like, it's like a big spider. I was like, what you, what? you mean that little tail's not full of deadly cobra venom? It's like, because that's what I got told by popular culture all this Absolutely. time. <laughs> well, I had never been told by popular culture that scorpions lived in Tennessee. I wouldn't have never guessed So I have never guessed it that. was a little bit of a... Um, I'm talking about going new places and experiencing new things. It it was not the experience that we were expecting. We didn't really not have a any chance. serious run ins. They were probably uh, you know, social distancing from COVID, That's <laughs> all responsible yeah. scorpions were doing at the time.
1: Yeah, and also, you know, they were those those scorpions that have ventured far enough north, so they were they were different. Yeah, I guess they're, so. they're not not the not the ones that are the size of a small dog or whatever in other no, parts of the different. world. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> well, that's good. Dude. It was a good time. Um, yeah, for, for me, like there was a, a trip. The last episode we talked about how like when you're traveling, like it's usually kind of a communal relational experience and it sounds very much like yours was Mm -hmm. right. Like you probably had like a reconnection of sorts with your brother Mm -hmm. and the fact that you were cut off from like TV and internet and everything probably actually facilitated that in a lot of ways. Um, but also you just had a chance to like just have some sweet time of like just family, just hanging out. Um,
0: And a little bit processing through the disappointment of
1: not, not being able to go on the trip
0: that we were hoping to go on.
1: And in a way it was nice that there were, you know, three, I mean, four, but three of you who were able to process that together instead of it being like, okay, you can't go there. Now you're, you're going to go by yourself to another place and just sit in your disappointment. Exactly. (laughs) Well, yeah, the, uh, but there's also like, but there's a different thing like when people travel by themselves, like we talked about how that might be like different. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I grew up, like, I talked about traveling with family a lot, doing a lot of things like that. But once I hit high school, after my 11th grade year, I did this. Uh, well, I had done several summer nerd camps uh, prior. Um, like, like chess but, camp, programming camp? Yeah, no, like, uh, like I, I lived for a week on uh, an oceanographic science vessel in the Gulf of Mexico, 200 miles out. That sounds amazing. It was, it, was, it was like floating science camp. Um, and we did, like, core samples and we did, like, biome studies and we we did, like, star charting and, like, navigation. Like, it was hardcore. <laughs> um, but it was beautiful. That sounds amazing. Because, like, at one night we were out there and the, the captain of the boat, like, this is a 200-foot uh, NOAA, Naval Oceanographic Administration Association, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. um, vessel, 200-foot vessel um, with a crew of, like, 20 or 30 people. Wow. And then there's, like... Eight high school kids from the Southeast and just (laughs) hanging out. (laughs) Hanging out 200 miles out of sea, international waters. And uh, I was, uh, the captain confirmed one night that there were no boats around us. And so we got to sit on the front of this boat, which sit on the front of the boat. It's like a gigantic deck. Yeah. He turned off all the lights on the whole boat and we just sat 200 miles away from any land. Was it a full moon? No. It was, and it, it was. I've never seen so many things in my life. Oh, wow. After about seven ten minutes, eyes fully adjusted. I mean, you saw every satellite, every shooting star. I mean, the the sky literally was exploding. Wow! Like, and I'm not kidding, mm-hmm. because you you have you have this idea of like oh, I'm out in the desert and I'm like see so a bunch of stars. It's not that. Like whatever you've seen, is not that. There's a there's a radio free zone. I think it's in West Virginia. Where they have a lot of like gigantic like uh, telescopes and Mm -hmm. things. And it's probably the closest you could get in the Eastern United States because it's like, oh, I can clearly see the Milky Way.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Because we've seen the photos from like telescopes and stuff, but this, you go out there and literally the sky looks like it's on fire because there's, it's not weird to, like, you're just missing all the shooting stars. They're not weird, they're there Mm -hmm. in abundance. So there's all these shooting stars flying across the sky, left and right, constantly. All these satellites and everything, really cool. So wow. those are the kind of nerd camps I went to. Dang! <laughs> but eleventh grade, um, I did nerd camp in DC, um, and it was uh, a civics camp. Some called presidential classroom. That's
0: more. That's more what I imagine when I hear nerd yeah. camp. Yeah.
1: So we're all there in like you know, you know like eleventh grade kids like wearing like suits and doing like pretend UN stuff. Sort of. Yeah, that sort of stuff. And so we're discussing things and we're going and seeing a lot of places that I would never get into now. Like I've been inside the building in Langley uh, for the CIA and I've sat in an auditorium that probably I could never get into, like in the same program. Just a lot of weird things. But The few uh, times
0: that your uh, high school credentials get you into a place (laughs) that your doctor doesn't?
1: (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Like I couldn't consult there, but I got in there for being a part of a nerd camp during summer in high school. You need to start start running the nerd camp. I would love to. I, and Secretly, I, I kind of do. That's I've kind of see. It's sort of what I do as a dad. I just <laughs> I have a live-in nerd camp, and it's great. Um, so, but this was the first time that like I like legitimately traveled, mm. right? So for like the the time on the boat, like my parents like dropped me off at the it was port. very supervised, yeah. And so it was like from parent to teacher sort of continuum. With this, I kind of got dropped off at the airport in New Orleans, and my parents were like, "Have fun in DC." and then i have i'm like okay so i'm got to do a connection flight i got to think got to find the place got to make sure i'm in the right building mm-hmm. have to like catch taxis and stuff and uh, it was a different experience but it it what it is it launched me like traveling by myself for things yeah. because i kind of taste for it and i was like i actually really enjoy the even like minimal protected adventure of this mm-hmm. like there are plenty of people in a in an airport that will tell me where i'm going but it still felt somewhat adventurous. yeah. To like a sixteen, seventeen year old kid who's like doing this by himself. Oh yeah. So enjoyed that. And then it became like, okay, I'm taking these trips to, you know, Chicago where I'm like sleeping like in a building that a friend works at, um, literally rolled up on like my clothes, um, for a pillow. And like uh, you know, so uh road trips places, um the first few times I went to New York were for these kind of programs like painting schools and stuff like that and just mm-hmm. kind of going by myself or with, uh, you know, just one or two other people and stuff like that. So it came like a very big affinity um, because I found that when I was in a large city, like walking down the street in New York, I felt more solitary than I did in other places. Mm-hmm. There was a different type of not loneliness, but solitude.
0: Would you say anonymity is part of that?
1: I think so. Because literally nobody's looking at
0: you. Yeah. So you, you, I got my music. Nobody's looking out for you no. either. Like there's no chance of you running into someone that you know.
1: For no. Much. Not not much at all. And so even though I had a ton of friends who were like in New York that I could, I could run into on purpose. Um, it's a pretty big city to accidentally run into. Something. Right. But it was also nice to just be like, hey, I'm... I'm, I'm exploring this gigantic city that has something for me everywhere. Mm-hmm. So there's just so many nice things about it. So all this translated into, um, went through undergrad, got my master's, and um, there were some books that I had read that were really kind of pivotal to me. So I read some John Krakauer, like Into the Wild, um, and things like that. Uh, Life with Charlie, or like On the Road with Charlie. Life with Charlie? Anyway, the book by... Um, that book about Charlie. Yeah. The, um, gosh. Now I'm just blanking completely. Is it Steinbeck and his dog? Um, anyway, so all these kind of like travel books mm-hmm. that were like fiction, nonfiction, sort of uh, vagueness. And docudrama. <laughs> and so it was like, these are these are things. I'm like, wow, these, these stories are great. Is um, a fun vocabulary word for anybody who doesn't know this one, but um, I always had an affinity towards particular types of stories. And the types would be referred to as and uh, which is a coming of age story. And the coming of age stories, like we talked about in the last episode, mm-hmm. typically will have an element of travel, yes, or at least going from your home to another place, yes. You know, so a bildungs a bildungsroman is a is a great form of story that I always enjoyed. <clears throat> so I was always like positing myself into one of my own, mm-hmm. right? Which is like you don't have to, you like you are, you just you don't have to make that up. So, um, so I start talking to folks. and I'm like, hey, next summer after I graduate, after I finish my masters. Going on this road trip for the whole summer, and people are like, Oh, cool. And one of those people that was like, Oh, cool, was my mom. And my dad was like, That sounds great. And my mom was like, Cool. So I start planning. And I'm like nine, ten months out, and, and I think have you're how old
0: at this point? Like 20...
1: 20, 21, 22. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 20, no, 23, 24. Sorry. Yeah. I was
0: going to say, finishing masters.
1: Yeah. So 23, 24. Gotcha. Um, I you're didn't still, get a master's in math. Are you still so.
0: living with your parents? No. Or you had been living. I, was, I, guess uh, I would campus. go home
1: and like hang out and do things, but I had a place. I was working all okay. year round. So I was, I My was kind of
0: already pretty independent. Yeah.
1: And um, I was also the youngest of four. And independence was like an earlier thing I for me forget in it. some ways. Maybe so it was like, that. yeah. Um, so we, uh, so I'm having this conversation with folks. And like 10, nine, 10 months out, I'm making these plans and I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to go what my path is, what's going on. And one of the things that came up early in this conversation with myself, um, is I needed to have some guidelines because I needed the trip to be productive, Mm -hmm. but I needed to be productive in like an existential sense. Yeah. So came up with two rules and the rules were, I couldn't spend more than $5 a day, not counting gas. So I had a limit. Some of that was practicality because, uh, We'd be gone for most of the summer. Not made of money. I'm not made of money. <laughs> I'm in grad school, for crying out loud. About to be a teacher in a public school. Like, I'm, not, I'm not made of money, and I'm not being made into money. Yes. So, um, so I couldn't spend more than $5 a day not counting gas. And I couldn't complain. Those are mm-hmm. the two rules. And I thought that they worked well in tandem, sure. because rule number one would tend to promote a breaking of rule number two. Yes. So by not spending $5 a day. Or for spending, or not being able to spend more than five dollars a day, complaining is a natural result. Sure. Um, so, I go out in my little two door coupe. So, what I start doing is I start amassing certain things. So, I buy all my kind of equipment because I am going to be just sleeping wherever—parking lots, benches, national parks, state parks, whatever. So camping
0: equipment, kind yep. of stuff. So,
1: I had a, uh, I got my whole backpacking rig, everything set up, good to go. Um, I went to Sam's and I had like a like a pallet of like Bush's baked beans. Mm. And then something that not even like I can't even say this without wanting to just throw up. Um, but Chef Boyardee ravioli,
0: mm.
1: like it is a thing that's ingrained in me. Like it is the most stomach churning item on the face of the earth. I will eat almost anything edible or not before those, like because I'm of the physically trip. feeling sick talking about oh my goodness. those because of this trip. But then also I had like ten or twelve gallons of water. Mm-hmm. So I was like, there may be a spot where like I can't find a gallon of water, which was very good because there were several spots like that. Yeah. So um so I chart all this out. And it's like
0: uh, Did you plan on like I'm eating two of these cans a day for X number of days? Like was, was that your mindset? Or were you planning on Getting food and picking stuff up. So there would
1: be and there like, would be things. This was kind of the fill in. So it was the sort of like, if I can't find anything. Um also it was like a pack in, pack out. It was like, you know, I'm not gonna sit there and like get the like dehydrated beef packets and like shove them all in my bag. Like it was like, throw in a can of beans, hike up the mountain, mm-hmm. eat the can of beans, put the can in your bag, come back down the mountain. Yes. So it was a uh, you know, worst case scenario. I've got you know, 400 calories a day. Sure. <laughs> Worst case scenario. Um, at least twice a day. So um, so I do this and, it, and it's pretty great because I've got friends in different parts of the country that I can kind of pop into and see. So I start off in South Mississippi. Now, before I leave, my mom was like, I didn't think you were serious about this. She's like, I don't know how I feel about it now. And my dad was like, it's good for him, leave him alone. <laughs> my mom's like... Are you Sounds gonna-
0: like a conversation... <laughs> <laughs> That's been had many times over the yeah. centuries.
1: <laughs> and so uh my mom was like, You're gonna be safe? And I was like, I don't know. I
0: mean, I, I'm I'm not I'm not intending to not be. Yeah. So my second rule is s- don't complain and I'm trying to give not trying to give myself reasons to complain. That's right. And I was like,
1: I don't know what it's gonna be, but like I think I might have a good time. All right, so just just in case any of any of y'all out there like just assume that like these smartphones are things we had before two thousand seven in any yeah, real way. Like the The iPhone was yet to have been released at this trip, even though it was 2007. This was early 2007, so it had not come out. Mm -hmm. Even if it had, I wouldn't have had one. Mm -hmm. So what I would do, let me blow your mind, is if you needed directions, you could text questions to Google. And that's the thing that used to exist. So you'd be like, how do I get to blah? And you get a text back. But also is tough because back then you're paying per text. So it's just a very different world, right? Yes. We're just we're wild, wild west Did you specifically
0: here. issue paper maps for a particular? Did you have those? I had an atlas.
1: I've always loved maps. Like, like reference earlier conversation about nerd camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in the state geography twice in elementary school. I like, nice. claim nerd, doesn't like hardcore, but I not have a problem with it. Nice. So love maps. Had an atlas that I bought. It's a great yes. one. Um, my car wasn't a standard. So it didn't have an automatic transmission. The so maps are
0: a little difficult.
1: Maps do. are hard. Several times nearly killed myself trying to look at a map while operating a stick shift and driving in places I had never been. So um, <laughs> a lot of fun. <laughs> also when you have a change, like, <laughs> oh, I don't want to be on this road anymore, and then you have to figure out, well, what road do I get onto and where does it take me? A different experience. Yes. So
0: imagine having to stop by the side of the road every time you didn't want to do what was on your GPS. You had a pull. <laughs> yeah.
1: Or in my case, you just had to drive very erratically while you looked at an atlas in your passenger seat <laughs> and didn't watch the road. Um, <clears throat> so start off in pretty much is like New Orleans to Austin to extreme West Texas. Uh, then I go up into like uh, Carlsbad Caverns in Roswell, um, get up into a place. My dad spent a summer with a Native American tribe in this beautiful little valley in the midst of the desert called Canyon de Chey. Um, which is a surreal experience to like be walking around at the same age that my father was walking around in the same place and it'd be a spot that's really, really untouched mm. by a lot of things. So it's not different. Yeah. And so my dad was like, Oh, there was this thing and this thing. It's like, that's still there wow. the same way. And so it was like, there, there was like, there were these like just weird sort of things like that, that, mm-hmm. that were like, they forced a reflectivity and introspection. Um, in certain things and it was exactly what I was wanting the trip to be um, and then I I mean I've got like hiking clothes so I, I pull into Vegas and it's like nighttime and I was like oh, I had like 20 bucks and I was like I'm gonna go pull a few slot handles and see if I got some more gas money out of this hmm. um, spoiler I didn't I just left without twenty dollars but that's all I was going to do also I don't think I was welcome there because the way I looked and probably smelled um, gotcha. not really what you know Bellagio is wanting you to be like sure so always had a nice little tail of a dude with like a a curly wire going down into his jacket from his ear um, you know always there just kind of keeping tabs and I'm, sure. like, I'm fine I'm not going to steal anything I'm not even here to rob the buffet or whatever I just want yeah. to like give you 20 bucks like you know how this works here So play your games <laughs> that's right so I leave there. I go up this mountain that's north of north of Vegas, and uh, I sleep in a parking lot. Um, and it's beautiful. I had like a very a very intense sort of uh, experience um, as I'm just kind of sitting there in the dark, thinking about stuff. Because so I did a lot of writing and sketching, because um, it was just me for like 40 days mm-hmm. for the most part. <clears throat> Once I left uh, some family in Texas, I I didn't know anybody until I got into Seattle. Um, and so, um, it was a really great story that I will tell off air. Um, the one day, maybe I'll tell on air. <laughs> it's, it's not terrible. It's just extremely funny. And, uh, it's easier if you know me to, uh, <laughs> to, to appreciate the humor of the story about my experience in San Francisco. Um, because I hadn't like eaten much because $5 a day, it doesn't do much now and it doesn't, didn't do much then either. So. I spent two days in Yosemite Valley and they were the two hottest days on record up to that point. Wow. Um, and I was just expecting, Hey, it's like kind of mountainous part of, of California. Like there's no, no big deal, but it's a, it's a daggum bowl. So if there's no breeze, like you're, uh, it's rough. So I remember just sweating profusely, like being extremely dehydrated. I also did 12 miles of a hike, like within like four or five hours, like one morning. And then I like collapsed in my tent. Um, after being told when we got there, the guy was like, hey, uh, there's a lot of bears in the area. If anything on you smells, it's going to be dangerous. And I'm like, I don't feel like that's, that's like not the way you do this job. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Because I'm like, can you tell me what things don't smell that I could have on me? Yes. Like my, my breath smells. Am I going to kill my bear because I have breath? Yes. You know, like, like everything Is smells. Is there just
0: like a, a smell strength? That I yeah. threshold that I don't. Is there an indicator? Is there
1: like a strip I can rub on my yeah. clothing to see well, if I smell, pass the smell test? Counter.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he's like, he's like, yeah, just don't leave like your deodorant in the car. And I was like, it's like 110 degrees out here. Anything in my car is going to bake. So I'm doing this hiking. I'm just terrible. Whatever. I uh, felt very much uh, what the extremes of society feel like. <clears throat> So I got down off of this hike, passed down in my tent for three or four hours, woke up soaking wet, drenched in sweat, and was dehydrated and extremely hungry. Mm. So at this point, I've eaten a lot of ravioli and beans. Yeah. So I go to like the, like the lodge, mm-hmm. and they have like a convenience store sort of pick up and go cafe thing. And so first of all, like I'm exactly how I described, like cut off jeans, the bandana, and like, Hiking boots and like a really nasty shirt with holes in it, I, and I'm very, very tanned at this point from all the hiking, and I just look like, uh, like I probably live somewhere in the woods. Mm-hmm. So I walk up in this lodge, and it's all the people who are like in Yosemite, but they're in the hotel. Ooh. Nice. <laughs> so it's like, okay, you're seeing the national park um, in a very different way. <laughs> yes.
0: From so the I go in window. There
1: and I was like, uh, I got five bucks that I can spend a day. So, I go in and I find the only thing I can get for five bucks, which is like a children's meal from the Grab and Go Cafe. Now, I say meal, it's a stretch of a term. Snack. So, it's a cellophane, like, 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 lunchable sort of deal. Mm-hmm. And it's like half a peanut butter sandwich. It is an apple. I think there may have been like a jello cup. And like, that was it.
0: It's better than I thought. Yeah. As I was imagining. So, I. But not a lot.
1: I almost eat the package without opening it. I'm so hungry at this point, a huge calorie deficit, and I'm done. and I'm, I'm still hungry. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's terrible. But I was too exhausted and weak to like go make more food, so I just pass out again in the tent. Wake up the next day, go on my way. As I leave Yosemite, I'm I'm in Death Valley for a couple of days. Absolutely stunning, beautiful place. Um, I would recommend it to anyone. Mm-hmm. It is the most beautiful sunrise I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Um, leave there, going to San Francisco. And I'm like, i going to see the Golden Gate Bridge, and then I'm gonna start heading up Highway 1. I'm going to take it all the way up into Seattle. I get to, um, I turn into like the main kind of drag on the interstate going from sort of San Jose up into uh, San Francisco. And there's an exit that, um, if you've ever seen like the animated parts of Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where like the clouds open and there's like shining sun. Mm -hmm. It was like that because what there was at an exit I saw sitting right next to each other as if the hand of God pointed down and said, you will exit here. There was an In-N-Out burger and a Krispy Kreme donut right next to each other. Oh, man. And I was like, I can probably get something pretty decent here for five bucks. So I go in and I'm able to get like the smallest cheeseburger In-N-Out has and a donut next door. And I may have been able to get like a, a small fry or something too. So I had a cheeseburger and fries and uh, a, a chocolate cake donut. Mm. All right. So one of the best meals I've ever had because there's more calories than I had like the first the two days before that combined. So this sets up the story I'm not going to tell.
0: Did it occur to you to just stay there and like <laughs> spend five dollars? Spend like there there. three days. <laughs> Getting so I, that same meal again and again. I
1: thought about it, but the story I'm not going to tell is very much set up by that meal, which was different than in a meal I had had for many, many weeks. So, when I got into San Francisco, a fun story happened. So I leave San Francisco, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I go uh, up to Seattle, and um, a few months before this, I like a, well, I guess probably about six. Six or nine months before this, I met Callie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We didn't start dating immediately. We sure. were just friends talking the whole time, whatever. Um, but we definitely could tell that, like there was there was something growing here. We mm-hmm. really enjoyed talking to each other. We really enjoyed hanging out. It was just you know a lot of fun. Um, we didn't live in the same place, so we didn't see each other a lot, but we talked constantly. So, she was working with some old family friends in Seattle that summer. Oh, and. I have a sister who lives in Seattle, and so we got there within days of each other. Um, earlier, since mm-hmm. I knew this, I had my sister go pick up some baseball tickets to a Mariners Red Sox game because we we're both Red Sox fans. And I was like, yes. "Hey, would you want to go to a baseball game? We can hang out while we're up there." Yeah, was like, yeah, sure. Did so, you get a change of clothes? Yeah, my sister like okay. got to use like a, a washing machine and everything. Nice. So, okay. and I and I had like, I mean, also like this is two thousand seven. So, like, you know, jorts and like V-neck shirts, like you could look like a bum, but also is kind of what you wore. Mm-hmm. So it's not <laughs> I could play it off. Yeah. Um, so we hang out like with my sister, and my brother in law for for some time and having a good time and all this stuff. Um, and then we just keep hanging out. So I'm having to drive up and down Interstate five from my sister's house to where she's staying, just like 30, 40 minutes on this interstate. And I'm there for more days than I should be because I have a job waiting for me back in North Mississippi that I have to start on July 5th. So this is like end of June, beginning of July, all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, okay, I probably need to leave on the 2nd. And then it's like, I I could leave on the 3rd. And then it's, how late on the 3rd could I leave? It's a 39-hour drive. It's fine. A 36-hour drive. I can get there.
0: So as long as you have two days.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. So... I'm like, okay, I have to leave. So at this point, we're probably dating at this point. Mm -hmm. Like it's, you know, whatever. So I leave and I have to get home to start work on the morning of July 5th. It is July 3rd. So I set off super early in the morning uh, from Seattle. And I go through Idaho. I stop at an IHOP in Boise. That's the extent of my Idaho experience. I go through Salt Lake City, that's the first time. Like, I called a friend and I was like, "I just saw purple mountains." I get the song. It makes sense now. I saw purple mountain majesties. I never understood it. They're purple. I swear, they're purple mountains. So, and then um, you just hung up on them. Yeah, pretty much. And they were just like, "What is that?" <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> go home, Garrett. <laughs> are you okay? Are, are, is this a code word? Are you safe? Do you, are you safe? Yeah. Um. So, uh, and then I stop on the other side of Cheyenne, Wyoming. Um. That's a long way. Just look at a map. Like Seattle yeah. Cheyenne is a big chunk, uh, but beautiful parts of the country. Wake up the next morning, and I do Cheyenne, Wyoming to Oxford, Mississippi in one stretch, which is horrible. Because when you leave Denver, you can see Missouri from Denver because Kansas is so flat and so never-changing. Whoa. It is a straight line. Man. So you come out of the mountains in Denver, and you're just like, I see Kansas City, and Kansas City is like, "I'm nine hours away. <laughs> You're like, you bastard. So Kansas tried to kill me because it was the same everywhere, and I kept wanting to like not be in a car. So 30, over 39 hours I make it from Seattle to uh, Oxford with a three-hour nap.
0: I was going to ask, how much time did you have between arriving and starting that job?
1: Not much. Um, I had enough time to get a shower because I was squatting in an abandoned apartment for the rest of that summer. <laughs> so uh, I had there I was there were there were no sheets for this bed. there was no like shower curtain in the shower. Um, I had to like keep the door like pseudo locked because I wasn't supposed to be there. Um, and I yeah, I stayed there until I started at least in August. so I was only there. It was like three and a half weeks I was squatting. Um, which was plenty of time in a small college town. Yeah. And that trip, there's so many more stories from it, but that trip, the thing about that trip is like it opened my eyes to so many things. Mm -hmm. Like I saw colors in different ways. I experienced like people in very different ways. Um, I I grew in a confidence Mm -hmm. that was very helpful in certain ways. Um, But it also gave me a perspective and a break because I was starting, that job I started when I got back was teaching college students. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting here at like whatever, 23 24 about to turn around and start right? about to turn around and teaching like sophomores juniors and seniors yeah and they're like oh hey what's up And so the first day i get in there and i'm i'm they're they're like who are you are you in this class and it's like yeah i'm in this class i'm the guy teaching it and they're like oh crap yeah hey well, what's up welcome to college <laughs> so the summer taught me a bunch of different things <clears throat> but it really gave me like a desire to like know more stuff, mm-hmm. to see more stuff, to just understand more things, <clears throat> to read more, to feel more, to think about more stuff, um, and in a lot of ways, it was like, hey, I've seen this stuff, I can do this stuff, and that confidence just played out in myriad ways, yeah. like you know, whether it's a maker or otherwise. Um, and it, was, it just allowed me to step more confidently into things and also be a bit more chill about stuff. Yeah. So it was a it was a for real like coming of age, growing up trip, mm-hmm. and uh, there are times I have like. Fever dreams of like doing it again. It's just ravioli in your mouth. No, but <laughs> well, I'm serious. Like you
0: open a can of ravioli, like it. It could be an immediate trigger I'll to vomit. Keep, like, keep that. Keep that in mind. I mean, it is. Let uh. it be known there is a <laughs> snack in this world that Dr. Blackwell does not want to smell. Yeah, that,
1: that is a snack smell that turns my guts. A hundred percent.
0: Yeah, that's intense.
1: I can eat cold beans out of a can, no problem. Yeah, uh, but any form of that ravioli, cold, warm, or otherwise. Hmm.
0: Now, how are you with other types of ravioli? This is a I'm fine very with them. To, no, very
1: fine with them. Okay. it is that, that specific. specific yeah. Yes,
0: I got you. Hundred percent. I got
1: you. So yeah, it was a it, that, that was a pivotal pivotal travel experience for me. Um, which yeah, just gave me confidence in a number of other ways, which was really helpful when I started like taking my kids to places like New York. Yeah, because I'm like. Like I survived out there by myself. I can I can drag some little kids through New York, mm. and I can also like I, you know, I I can deal with whatever sort of things kind of come. There's yeah. a, a nice confidence that comes from it that allows you to do things.
0: Yeah, that's um, very similar. I don't know that my wife has had quite a extended trip <laughs> that would that would match that, but a lot of what she values in her travels is that sort of independence and the confidence. Oh yeah. Um. So she. I've maybe mentioned this in the past, but she's very adventurous, just ready to go out there, let's go do something, let's make up a plan as we go along, but also because I kind of have a plan always tucked in my back pocket kind of person. And I would say I'm pretty fortunate that I don't have a lot of regrets in life, but I do look back on those sort of late teen years, early 20s, and... It could have been fun to get out and do something, maybe not quite as ambitious as yours. Um, but I see the value. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, at this point, there's probably not a situation where I'm gonna go travel alone. I don't have right, right. a job that requires it, anything like yeah. that. Um, but I definitely can see how it especially hearing your story, just like you could have been like so nervous about going into that class with all those students. But after doing all that it was nothing. It was just like
1: and it was a class of seventy two students. Yeah. Like it sticks it's out. Like in my if I mind, did that, that then
0: like, what is this? Yeah, I was like, i yeah. I uh
1: and honestly there was it probably put a
0: few years on you just in terms yeah. of your appearance so <laughs> you did not look quite as young.
1: <laughs> it did. Yeah. It's the only time in my life I had a mustache that matches this. Um there's a photo out there of me somewhere with that mustache and it's glorious. It's sunburned with a mustache. Yeah. That's oh amazing. no, I don't sunburn. I get deep you just deep tan. Deep tan. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So it was like, yeah. Uh, people mistook me for like like Mediterranean Hamas.
0: It's like <laughs> dark skin with amazing <laughs> who's mustache. That Greek man. I know. In the this Greek
1: god over here? It's
0: like, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You're talking to me. <laughs> Adonis. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. Here's the last quick question. Yeah. Okay, wrap up soon. Do you have any aspirational trips oh, that you would like to take?
1: Are you serious, Cody? We have time for this. <laughs> I mean, so my wife and I, we we both love traveling. We Mm -hmm. will drop into a car at any point. If you're like, hey, road trip, I'll be like, let's go now. Let's do it now. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we we grew up in Mississippi, so things are not very nearby. So something nearby that you want to do might be two hours away. Extended
0: travel is just a norm.
1: Just a norm. Yeah. So there are a number of things I'd like to do. One thing I really would like to do I don't want to do the like drop in drop out Europe thing. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that is like that I want to do is there is like a river cruise that goes from Paris to Prague that I think would be absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, so there's things like that. And that is
0: a slower pace. It is. You know, just like, (coughs) so it's definitely not flying to London for 36 hours.
1: No, you know, it's like you get off and like, as you're going to find your lunch that day, you're kind of, you know, putting around this, uh, you know, little village mm-hmm. and you just, you know, you get your fresh bread and your your cheese and your local beer and you go have your meal and you get back on the boat and you do your thing. That sounds great. That's great. Um, things like that, but there's also, there's destination spaces that like I'd love to go see and everything, but I think really like as I get a little older, some of it is like where are places that, that travel can be shared? Mm-hmm. So, my wife, Callie, has always wanted to see the Northern Lights, so I'd love to go on a trip with her to just see those. Yeah. Um, you know, there's places I want to take my kids, you know, so my parents, they always wanted to take us like to the Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. do that like very typical, like 80s and 90s family, like road trip to the Grand Canyon. But it was never in the, never in the budget. Um, so there's part of me that's like, I'd love to do that for my kids in the way my parents wanted to do for me. Yeah. Um, kind of close that circle in some ways. Um, but yeah, I think there's, there's things like that. There's places I'd want to see. Like, I mean, if you push my wife, she'd be like, "I want to go to Hobbiton in New Zealand, and I don't want to stay in a hobbit hole." I'd say, yeah, I do that. I mean, pretty much. Like, it's tough to say aspirational travel because I'm like, "Yeah, where do you want to go, I'll go." I'm
0: pretty just down for. I'm it. down to go. Yeah.
1: How about you?
0: Me and my wife talk a lot about doing a cross country road trip once the kids are older, renting an RV and just yes. like, three weeks aside to do just, it. You know, hit everything. Um, see the sites, you make like a big loop around continental U.S. Um, try to gauge, you know, what's a, what's a good age, you know, because our, our kids are going to be spread out by five and a half years. Yeah. Um, when the third one comes. So, you know, what what's a good zone where like it's going to be a good experience for, for memories for everyone. Yeah. Um, so you're thinking like, you know, 10-year-old to a 15-year-old. Oh, yeah. Pretty reasonable. Um, and we love the idea of trying to convince other friends with kids to caravan with us
1: yeah, yeah and yeah. just
0: do like a whole no, I, event. Yes. So yeah,
1: yeah, no, totally. I mean, I lied to you. I'm sorry, everybody. There is an aspirational thing I want. And I've always said like, if I, if I like hit the Powerball, what you said, just remind me of it. Cause we have the same, that's the same thing we would like to do. Um, but I was like, if we hit like Powerball and we could just say, hey, you get to take unpaid leave and I'm going to cover your salary. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go spend two weeks in Mississippi and I'm going to show you the state I grew up in, the stuff I love, um, the state my wife grew up in, the stuff she loves, like to show you that place instead of hearing the stereotypes about it mm-hmm. uh, the food, the music, the people, the culture, the literature, like all the stuff that's there. Um, just to get like a big old like charter bus. Track everybody the down there and just cover the bill for everybody. That'd be the aspirational travel for me is like, you know, 30 of your closest friends mm-hmm. down there here. We're going to eat this amazing food tonight. Bill's covered. We're going to go see this. We're going to go to this great museum, this gallery. We're going to go take this boat to this place. It's all covered. Like that would be the aspirational travel for mm-hmm. me is to take everybody back home with me. That sounds pretty fantastic. Yeah. It'd be a good time. I would do that. Well, you're on the list, so good. That's great. <laughs> all I got to do is hit the Powerball.
0: Well, you know, there might be alternative <laughs> options that don't require the Powerball. There might be. I think would be worth
1: exploring. <laughs> it would be. Yeah, so uh, in an unrelated note, we are now crowdfunding for an yes. undisclosed trip. Donate to <laughs> it. <laughs> no, that would be great. Um, yeah, this is wonderful. It's, it's great to just talk about this because these things do kind of enliven us. They make us who we are. They Ooh. provide uh, new eyes and visions on things, and they all become in the holistic picture of who we are um, an ingredient to how we do what we do, why we do what we do. And, you know, for everybody out there who's a maker, like these are the things that help define how you make, like Mm -hmm. what you've seen impacts what you are capable of showing other people. Mm -hmm. So we'll leave you there. Probably going to pop back into this topic a couple more times on some things. Um, but in the meantime, we do love you. You are a fantastic audience and we will catch you next time. Take care. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottom.